The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. The Force is strong with us, and we hope it is strong with you. Welcome to another edition of the New Jedi Archives with Zach Hagenbusher and Ben Schultz. Well, hello, Zach. Hello, Ben. Long time no see. And still, we're not seeing each other. Now it'll be an even longer time. I'm picturing you in my mind as a force ghost. We are phoning it in. In more ways than one. (laughs) I was going to say more than one. (laughs) No, no, but for real, uh, as I'm sure you can tell, uh, and maybe if you've got keen ears, we are not directly in front of each other for this episode. This is one of our long-distance episodes. Uh, ben actually lives about an hour and a half away from me. Um, so most of the time, we are able to get together and record these in person because I feel like it's important enough to make that happen for the quality of the show. But today, we weren't able to make that happen before our next episode was to be released. So we're, we're uh, calling an audible. And we're recording one of these episodes. But, you know, there, there are advantages to it. Uh, I, I don't have to look you directly in the eye. That's right. You don't have to see me cry when you say something. And, and based on some of the things we're going to talk about today, it may stop you from being angry. It may. Also, <laughs> I want to point out the first time that we talked about The Last Jedi, uh, we, we actually did it over one of these recordings. And... We had a very pleasant conversation about that movie. <laughs> we have we have more pleasant conversations about Last Jedi when we're not looking at each other. Is I, I think saying? we may have more pleasant conversations when we're not in the same room. Period. <laughs> you know, our phone conversations are nice. Our text and email exchanges are good. Uh, I, I think it's just our live presences that feed into our negativity. <laughs> So that could be that, that could, could be, be a good or a bad thing for people who are listening who love to hear us fight. But uh, and guess what? We we still might fight in this particular episode. We'll get into that. But before we do, I want to thank everybody who downloaded the episode uh, through GNCast.com, Spreaker.com, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher. However you listen to this podcast, we want to thank you. And we also want to encourage you to share it with your Star Wars loving friends because we're or right your in- Star Wars hating friends. And I nah, no, no, <laughs> I don't no, know no. if I want that. <laughs> everybody, we can't rule the world if everybody doesn't hear us. I'm going to be honest, Ben. I don't think I want Star Wars haters to listen to our show. Oh, okay. You know, because that, that just invites negativity and I just don't like it. Well, but then then we might get some, you know, emails or something. I haven't gotten any death threats, and I've almost begged for death threats. That's true. I, I think that means that we're clear on the haters. Um, <laughs> you know, speaking of emails, before we get underway, we've also got a really big announcement. Dewey, that was a great segue. Nice pivot, Zach. Oh, thanks. It's almost like I've done this before. We... Have another contest up our sleeves. You might remember that we, uh, well, Ben, by we I mean Ben, 
might have purchased a prize for our last contest, uh, which was a Boba Fett art piece. It was a five-piece art uh, canvas um, that you could display in your home, and you wouldn't have to pay for it. All you had to do to enter this contest was email, uh, comment on Facebook, give us a Facebook message, uh, talk to us at a convention and give us a question for the show. You know, that that was really all we asked was for you to interact with the show in some form or fashion. And guess what? That is also all that we're asking for this particular contest. I mean, it can be a review on iTunes or Google or however. Um, it can be a, like I said, an email, whatever you want it to be. Uh, that'll get you in for this fabulous prize. Ben... What are what are the listeners looking for? Well, I'm actually holding it in my hand this time. Last time it was Boba Fett art, and uh, I'm not a fan of the Fett. Neither so am I. So I can understand why people may not have wanted that. Sure. This time I think I've nailed it with a good prize. I am holding in my hand uh, seven collector's cards, the full set uh, of the gold collector's cards. I believe they were released in the nine in '96. Uh, the scoreboard 23 karat gold cards. The entire set, uh, it's a limited edition. There's only 10,000 sets printed. Um, and I have all seven of them in mint condition, in protective plastic holders, in my hand right now. Um, the first one has the movie poster from A New Hope. Then, of course, uh, Empire everybody's favorite movie and then return where we learn that teddy bears can beat technologically advanced people and that they uh, apparently forgot how to speak english yes uh and just wanted to eat people for no reason mm -hmm. uh then there's a millennium falcon card there's a bounty hunter card there is a vader card and then there is a shadows of the empire card wow that are in this set it's really nice looking uh, front and back uh, it's absolutely gorgeous and uh, that is what I'm giving away this particular time now, to ben bribe people into talking to Zach now Ben uh, am I allowed to win this prize no damn it <laughs> damn you it. will have to convince someone else to enter on your behalf <laughs> and then I'll just uh, rig the contest so that no I'm <laughs> I am completely joking I shouldn't even have said anything Folks, no, you should. Zach is too much of a Jedi to even try that. That's right. This is a great prize, and uh, I really appreciate Ben for uh, for coming up with this one. So, uh, the the plan right now is that we're going to be taking entries for this contest through the month of January and through most of the month of February. Uh, there is another convention coming up here in Wisconsin near the end of February. It is. Uh, Friday the 22nd through Sunday the 24th uh, in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, Fire and Ice. It's an annual gaming convention that Ben and I have attended before. Uh, never for this podcast, but just as patrons, you know, when, when Ben was running his uh, game publishing label. And uh, we are now going, well, the plan, I should say, I guess it hasn't been officially, officially confirmed, but it's all but confirmed that we are going to be attending this convention as the New Jedi Archives. So we will have this prize on display and we will be taking entries in person in Manitowoc as well. So you will have a chance 
to enter the contest all the way up until uh, Sunday, February 24th. And, uh, Jack, you're going to put a picture of this up on our Facebook page? Yes, I'll do that. I'll put it as the picture for this episode at GNCast.com as well so that people can see it and know what they're going for. Wonderful. That sounds great. And then we'll we'll confirm we're attending. We should know by the next episode. Yes. But until then, Ben, I've got a very exciting plan for us today. Uh, Ooh, I cannot wait. It's our first episode of 2019, and I think that means that we need to talk a little bit about Star Wars in 2019. This could be the biggest year for Star Wars ever. Ever. Okay. I, I say that because not only are we getting potentially two different TV shows coming to the, the new Disney streaming service, uh, another season of a show on Disney XD, but we are certainly getting the final chapter of the Skywalker saga in theaters this December. That I cannot wait for. Yeah, I, it, it's a huge, huge year. And there's some cool books coming out, too, that I think we're going to have some interest in. So we'll talk a little bit about it. First, we want to get this out of the way. Star Wars Resistance. Uh, the second half of season one is airing this year, as well as, you know, in theory, the beginning of season two as well. Uh, ben and I have avoided the show, uh, with the exception of the pilot episode, which we did watch and discuss previously on the podcast. Uh, you can go back and listen. I think that it was our questions from the con episode, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, we are second questions from the con episode from New Game of Palooza. Uh, 2018, uh, back in October, we talked about uh, about that debut episode of Resistance. I thought that it made a decent first impression. It it didn't blow me away, uh, but of course it says Star Wars on it, and it's part of the canon, and it sheds a little more light on a very dark part of the Star Wars history at this point, which would be the the events around the First Order and the force awakens and the, you know, the last Jedi. So right. The resistance and what was going on. Right. So I am uh, very interested to see that show in its entirety, but my, my policy on these things, and you can, you can call me antiquated you can call me whatever, I guess, but I like to watch. Oh, and I will. Yes, of course. <laughs> I like to watch the entire season as a whole, you know, without having to worry about commercials, without having to worry about downloading episodes and waiting weeks for things to come out, even if I were to try and, you know, steal it. Uh, I like to watch it in the home video release. I like to buy the Blu-ray of the season, you know, pick through the season at, at my own pace and then dissect it from there for this show. So I think that uh, Ben and I are in agreement that that is how we're going to be handling this as well. Uh, uh, yes. I would expect then that we will not be talking about the first season of Resistance in detail for quite some time. It'll probably be somewhere in September, uh, because if they follow the traditional release pattern of Rebels, Rebels usually didn't drop their full Blu-ray releases of seasons until late summer, you know, late July, mid-August. So we're probably not going to have the time to watch it until then. Um, but, you know... For what it's worth, the show that the the show is going to continue this year. I can't imagine they're going to cancel it. 
right? I mean, yeah, they're not they're not Fox, they're not Cartoon Network. So no, they're not like here's a, a here's a tantalizing taste of a show. Oh, and it's gone. Also, it says Star Wars on it, and Disney likes Star Wars, so they're going to keep it on the air. Plus, they're uh, and we've discussed this several times. That's where their money is right now. They're they're making more money off of their television shows than they are off of movies, right? For the investment with international TV rights and that sort of thing, I'm I'm, yep. I'm sure that that all plays a factor. Uh, and speaking of television, there are two major television projects that are coming in theory this year. I believe it's it's widely believed that we're going to get them both this year, and that would be in the form of one the final we would assume final season of star wars the clone wars uh a season of the show that we didn't really think we would ever get but we are getting it um bringing back all of the original cast to do the voices uh and seemingly according to the trailer uh following at least in part of it would be following the siege of mandalore which was one of the final battles of the clone wars involving anakin obi-wan rex ahsoka the whole gang, uh, and Maul, potentially. Hmm. I'll be interested to see that. I'll be, I'm really interested to see what they do uh, because they turned some of the scripts that were originally intended for this season into books. Right. And so I'm curious to see if, if uh, I don't know if I'm hoping that we still see some of those on, on the screen or if I'm just happy they live in the book world. I mean, I'm happy I got to read them. Um, but some of them I'd like to see. So, right. Maybe we get an adaptation of dark disciple. Yeah, that would, that would, that one's top on my list actually. Yeah. I think that would be cool to see it play out. And especially on a platform like Disney plus where, you know, in theory they could get away with whatever they wanted. I mean, they're not going to make, you know, rated star Wars, right? It's still Disney, but for what it's worth, I thought that without the restrictions of Cartoon Network and broadcast television, I thought that they were able to push um, the lost, uh, the lost missions, the sixth season of Clone Wars that debuted only on Netflix. I thought they were able to push the envelope with some of those arcs, especially that Anakin Padme arc where things got real dark, and Anakin got very violent with Rush Clovis. Uh, yeah, I. I think they can do a good job, and and uh, whenever I whenever I think to myself that you know Disney is a uh, you know Disney has a very family friendly um trying to think of the word I'm reputation that's the word I'm looking for. Okay, there we go. Um, you also have to remember they've given us some of the they've given us the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. They did the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, so they have chops when it comes to, um, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, a lot of these things. And when you look at some of the stuff Disney has done or licensed on other platforms, they've handled things that you wouldn't necessarily think of or remember were a Disney property uh, when you're watching the shows. I'm uh, Cloak and Dagger, um, The Exiles. Uh, you know, those are streaming service only. Uh, well, Cloak and Dagger's uh, freeform, but uh, Exiles is Hulu only, and that's that's got some pretty deep 
things in it. Sure. Uh, ben, I, out of curiosity, when we're talking about the Clone Wars here, I know that there was a very big part of the, well, maybe not very big, but of the people who watched the Clone Wars when it was on broadcast television, I know that there was a sizable part of that population that was very, uh, they were vocal. They were they were against the idea of canceling the show at all. They, oh, they, I, they wanted more Clone Wars. They didn't think the story was done. Well, and I, I was one of them. You so. were so you were one of them. That was going to be my next my next question. I don't, I don't know if we've ever really talked about that on the show. Whether or not you felt like there was more, you know, that you absolutely <laughs> had to see from the Clone Wars, or if you you were okay with them moving on to Rebels like they did. Well, and don't get me wrong, Rebels isn't bad. I like Rebels. But I had a vested interest in a lot of the characters in Clone Wars. Um, you know, of course, as every, anybody who's listened to even an episode of this podcast knows, I'm an Anakin fan through and through. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of Ahsoka as well. Um, but even smaller characters like Cad Bane and Asajj Ventress and uh, Aura Singh and you know they had great stories great storylines and uh, story arcs and I was vested in some of what happened to them I mean the whole reason I, I bought and read Dark Disciple was because it was a story about Asaz Ventress a character that I had come to like and I liked that character because of her portrayal on Clone Wars so Yes, you are one of those people. <laughs> so, yes, I am one of those people. Okay. Um, and that's why, because I, I think the characters really came to life in that series. I think they did the same thing with Rebels, um, but I still wanted to see more from the people I already knew. <laughs> so even we, We've been friends for, like, what, six years then, or five years at that point? Right, exactly. I didn't want my five-year friendship to go away. Well, and for Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know, more like 35 at that point. But Yeah. Right. Uh, so I guess that leads me to this. If this is the last of the Clone Wars, which we can only assume, right? I mean, Disney can do whatever they want. They could, hey, we're going to make another season, and it's going to be, you know, set in the middle of all of this. It'll be Clone Wars <laughs> Season 8, but we're just going to talk more about Hondo or something, right? I mean, right. You, you never know what they can do. But let's say that this is the last of Star Wars The Clone Wars. You Are, are you going to be okay with that? I will be, um, depending on what they do. So, like, for example, um, when they brought Vader and Ahsoka into Rebels, that was a huge fanboy moment for me. Um, and now the the tantalizing idea that we might get an Ahsoka Sabine story at some point in the future. Oh, for um, sure. That's great. So, I, I mean, if they continue on with doing shows in this animated style, that would be awesome. I think one of the reasons that people were so afraid when they canceled Clone Wars was we didn't know what was going to happen. We were going to lose this piece of um, Star Wars. I mean, we'd always have the Clone Wars, but we weren't, weren't going to get any more of it. And at that point in time, 
Disney was taking away a lot of Star Wars from us. Right. Yeah. They, and, they were carving and, huge chunks and Clone Wars one was one of the only pieces left. Right. So they, they had taken away a lot of the novels, the role playing games. Now, the new one I heard is really good, but, you know, Wizards hadn't done much with their license, at least in my opinion, compared to what West End had accomplished. Um, you know, so we, we were losing so much. And this was one of the last things we had. And when they were taking that away, too, you know, it was it was kind of sk- what, what what were we going to get next? And I think Rebels, at least for me, um, brought me back around and was like, OK, we're still going to get more. We're still going to get this platform that I'm actually enjoying. I didn't think I would. Um you know, thank you, movie release of Clone Wars. Um, but I did. And I, it's been very interesting to see how they've handled the slow release of prequel content, right? Because I think that a big part of canceling the Clone Wars immediately, well, one, was getting it away from Cartoon Network. Right. Uh, but two was sort of I I think that there was a general sense and just going back in my memory to 2010, 2011, 2012 when Clone Wars was still being actively made, I think that there was such a large population of the Star Wars fan base that was still completely turned off by the prequels. Uh yeah, that they I agree. they may never have ev- I mean I I know for a fact they didn't watch Clone Wars. They never gave it a chance. Well, and, and I mentioned this to you when we started recording. Um, I belong to a lot of different Star Wars groups online. I've said that already. And uh, one of the Star Wars groups that I belong to, I actually had people in there in the past week um, talking about how they don't want more Clone Wars. Sure. That they didn't like Clone Wars. And I was like, the hell is wrong with you people and i was like oh this must be how zach feels every time i shit on the prequels right or the last jedi for that matter <laughs> or the last jedi for that matter yeah it's so, it's insane right i i understand different strokes for different folks right like different different tastes i'm not going to hold that against you but i mean the clone wars was george's last big project um he cared about it a lot he oversaw every episode and uh he he won't be overseeing these, but Dave Filoni is his handpicked successor for the Star Wars mantle, and I think that he's more than proven that he can handle it. Well, and the other thing is, and this is one of the reasons I love Clone Wars so much, um, in Clone Wars, more than anything else, we learned that the Jedi are fallible. I mean, they make mistakes before, but... The trial of Ahsoka being a big one. The Jedi were just flat out wrong. Right. And 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 they were refusing to admit it. To the very end. Even after they were proven to be wrong. Yeah, we're going to give you the privilege, Ahsoka, of rejoining the Jedi Order. Right. This was your test. Yeah. No, fuck you. This was you being an ass. Um, You know what I mean? So that really... The Clone Wars touched on a lot of those things where you had Anakin's anger showing up and his disregard. Uh, Obi-Wan struggling to try and be a mentor when he was really a brother to Anakin. Right. And trying to play that middle. You saw a lot of character development there that you quite honestly couldn't do on a big screen. And all of that happening during what is an incredibly stressful time. 
You're you're literally fighting for your lives. You're fighting a war. And and they did it in such a wonderful way. And I, this may seem stupid to a lot of people, and you know I don't really care. But you have the clones <laughs> who are literally identical. They have the same voice actor, if I recall. Yep, they all were voiced by D. Bradley Baker. So they all have the same voice actor. They have just minor changes in appearance. And between the way, and mostly like a haircut or a different marking on their armor. Um, but there were so many of them that had such personality and not even the big ones. Like, obviously, Rex is going to be one you remember. Cody, you know, Wolf, probably. But you had guys like fives, you know, and you had other clone troopers that you, you actually wanted to watch episodes about, right? You and, know, and they were able to get away with it. They were able to get away with making star Wars without a Jedi involved, right? There were entire episodes where you, you turn it on and I can't, I think it's the one where they're rescuing, uh, they're rescuing somebody from something or they're investigating, a. Uh, base that's not responding or whatever it is. Yeah, it's it's in the first season. I can't wait yeah, to talk it, about it. It's like five clones that show up, and on any other show, I would have been like, oh, there's no main characters in this. I don't care. This is a filler episode. But it turns um, out to be a Hallmark episode of the series. Yeah, it's right, awesome. exactly. And and so, um, yeah, it, we'll talk about it more. I'm going to fam girl out if we keep talking about <laughs> it now. That's fair. Yeah, that's that's more for the future. But I, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this because, again, going back to the point I was thinking about making, uh, I felt I feel like Disney felt like they had some sort of task at hand to sort of rebrand Star Wars, sort of bring it back to something that maybe many generations recognized it as. Uh, and I think that, you know, Rebels was a huge part of that yeah as much as force awakens obviously was bringing people back to the fold for the films i think that having an ongoing story having an ongoing television show set right before the original trilogy with very familiar looking vehicles very a very familiar enemy in the empire uh all of that was very important i think to kind of getting people back on the track that disney wanted them on which was hey look this is fun this is safe. We don't need to, you know, you don't need to remember the prequels and, and make that your most recent Star Wars memory. We want you to think about this in a positive way. Not that you not that the prequels were entirely terrible, but there's such a large it, they had such a stink on them, so to speak, that I think it was the smartest move for Disney to make at the time. Now. Well, oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say another part of it, too, I think, was they needed to take everything back in house, um, you know. George had lucked out and licensed some amazing Star Wars stuff, and he also licensed some crap, um, you know, because he was making money hand over fist. Right. And I think that in a large way, because there was such a long gap between movies, that, that Disney thought that that may have diluted the brand, and they wanted control over the licensing, and part of that is shutting down all the stuff that's already out there licensed well right yeah that that was a big part of it for sure but i i think that overall that pr it, it really can't be ignored because it's only now you know hey we're doing clone war season seven hey we're doing 
a comic book series spanning all three major eras of Star Wars, including the prequels. Hey, we're putting prequel content in Star Wars Battlefront 2. Not that that's that not that that is that big of a deal, but it's it's like just now finally a year after the game came out, they put in prequel heroes. They put in General Grievous, they put in Obi-Wan. Count Dooku is coming this month, I believe. Uh so uh, you know, a lot of this content that people prequel fans have been looking for uh and even things that I expected, I, I wouldn't consider myself a quote-unquote prequel fan, right? I mean, I'm not screaming from the rooftops about how great those movies were. But when they announced the idea that they were going to make a Star Wars video game, you know, a, a, a Battlefront game, with all of this different stuff about Star Wars in it, I mean, I, my first thought was, great, all eras of Star Wars, awesome. So their Clone Wars is going to be in there, right? And it wasn't. It wasn't anywhere to be seen in the first game, and it was only it was there was only a little bit of it. It was on the periphery here in the second game because they did have Yoda playable and they did have Darth Maul playable, and you could play as clone troopers and such. But I mean, you you didn't have anybody else, and now they're finally bringing a lot of that stuff in. So I I think it's all part of this designed rollout of this prequel content that kind of began with the Jimmy Smith's appearance in Rogue One. Um, because that was the first, and um, Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma in that movie as well. Uh, because those were that was the first example of two two characters or two actors who were playing those roles in the prequel films uh, being brought forward into the new Disney films. Well, and I think they did a good job. Besides, right? Of course, yes. I I, I don't think you can fault either of those two for for their performances in the prequels. And uh, I think that it, it was just a, it was a nice acknowledgement. You know, that was something for me as a fan, I guess, seeing Jimmy Smith's back on screen as Bail Organa. Um, well, and uh, more importantly, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a Jimmy Smith's fan, but more importantly, Mon Mothma, because one of the things Star Wars gets a lot of flack for um and I don't know if it's warranted all the time, uh, is there's not a lot of strong female characters. Right. But Mon Mothma runs the rebellion. <laughs> right. And, and it, it helped to cement that for sure. Right. Uh, and, but- and I think moving forward, and, and you know, Jyn Erzo being the, the focus of Rogue One didn't hurt at all. Um, I'm not saying we don't need to have female leads in Star Wars. That's not my stance. Don't misunderstand. Um, but just like when, uh, when Finn was revealed to be a black stormtrooper and I, everybody's like, Oh, finally a black stormtrooper. And I was like, how the hell do you know there weren't black stormtroopers? They're all wearing helmets. Right. You racist ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, cause you know, they were white and British. No, I'm, I'm no, that's only I'm the kidding. officers. I know that's only the officers. And, and, uh, this planet has a long history of, you know, white British people controlling everything. So why wouldn't the, a galaxy far, far away have a similar history? Exactly. Right. But uh, I, yeah, getting it. We, we got to get back on track a little bit here. I, I guess my point is it's cool to see the Clone Wars coming back. It's part of this prequel rollout, and that will continue this year as well with one of the books that with two, actually, of the books that we're going to be looking forward to. Um, moving on to the other big television project coming to Disney Plus, what I would assume would be a launch title for the platform, and that would be The Mandalorian. Uh, As more has come out about this show, I'm getting more and more excited for its future. Uh, 
Uh, we knew that John Favreau was the guy who created the idea for the series. Uh, they entrusted it with him to write it and produce it. But what I did not know, and uh, all I have to confirm this is the Internet Movie Database, but they usually don't put something like this on there unless it's been confirmed by some other source. Right. Uh, I had seen the set photos of John and the big GL himself, George Lucas, on the set of this show. I figured, oh, hey, George is stopping by to hang out, right? I mean, he's, right. he's George fucking Lucas. He, he's going to stop by on a Star Wars set, and you're not going to stop him. But little did I know that he is being credited as a writer. At least according to the IMDb page, he is credited as a writer on all eight episodes, along with John Favreau. Oh, for the record, Zach? What? It's George Walton Lucas. His middle name is not fucking. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry, my mistake. Uh, regardless, you say that a lot. I just wanted to correct you. Regardless, this is absolutely insane. My mind is blown. Uh, th this is the re it's the return. The prodigal son has returned. George Lucas has returned to Star Wars, and it's as a writer for The Mandalorian. How are you yep. not? That, what, this is that's that's the reaction you're giving me. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm just looking. I I just noticed that his official status is semi-retired. Well, right. He's he's still officially a consultant on sequel trilogies. Yes, officially. I mean, as far as we know, given interviews that he's given out there, he really was not consulted very much on at least episode seven, and I can't imagine episode eight because Ryan Johnson seemed to be steering that ship pretty exclusively himself. Yeah, let's keep the blame and clearly where that belongs. <laughs> but but uh, this is it's incredibly exciting. I can't wait. And what should make you even happier, Ben, is that Dave Filoni is also listed as an executive producer for all eight episodes of the show. That does make me excited. Yes, and he'll be because it means it's Big Dave approved. And he'll be directing an episode as well, which will be the first time that we see Dave direct a live action Star Wars. I'm excited for that. Yeah, this this show just seems really, really cool. Not to mention, I mean, we, we don't even know anything about it. We've but seen let's one face picture. it, this is why, this is why I'm going to get the Disney streaming service. Yes, absolutely. Of course, that that's how they design this stuff, right? But this is, it's wild because I'm overreacting and I don't know anything about it, so I really shouldn't be doing this. But uh, you know, it looks really cool that there's uh, we've seen the image. The armor that, in, in in theory, the main character is wearing is pretty standard looking. It's pretty, bl you know, relatively bland Mandalorian armor. Consider what we've, considering what we've seen in the past. But we do know that it's going to be set after the events of Return of the Jedi. Um, well, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, when when you're talking about, you know, George Lucas is involved, Dave Filoni's involved. Um, also, you know, all the special effects are done by ILM. Right, and that's uh, that's big too. I, I've heard, uh, and uh, Skywalker who, who Sound it? is handling all the sound. There so. was an interview with a, a relatively well-known filmmaker. I, I, the name is on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember it. The point is, they were on the the set of The Mandalorian, and they made the comment that it was being shot in a way that no other television show has ever been shot. 
Um, so that also is leading me to believe that they're they're not really treating this as like a TV show, more as like a, a spectacle, like a, well, a long range feature film. Well, and that's one of the reasons I was bringing that up is it, it does look like that's what they're doing. Uh, the production photos look really good. Uh, you know, I haven't seen any clips or teasers or trailers, but the production photos look good. And um, the people that are behind it, they've got the chops. They've got, you know, the production company. It, obviously, it's Lucasfilms, but, it, you know, ILM and Skywalker Sound. And these are the same people that are making the movies. Uh, Pedro Pascal is set to star in this series. Um, I know that he has been a part of uh, many different things. He was a part of Narcos. He played Javier Pena. Uh, he was on Game of Thrones for a year as Oberyn Martell. Uh, so he's he's a recognizable face to some folks, uh, and he'll he'll be leading the charge. Um, some notable names for me on the cast that has been announced. Uh, Gina Carano, a former mixed martial artist. She's done a little bit of work in movies, you know, since since her uh, exit from the sport, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how she's brought into this. Um, I, I, I can definitely see her portraying a Mandalorian. I mean, as strange as that may be to say. Um, That's oh, uh, Angel Dust from I, Deadpool, Yeah, I, right? I was going to say, and it looks like she was in Deadpool as well. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not very familiar with that film. I didn't really... I never saw it, so... What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, you know, whatever. That, that's yeah, how I it feel looks about like, that movie. It looks like they've got some really good... I'm, I'm happy that uh, Oberyn Martell is leading the charge. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm not a huge Game of Thrones person either, so I, I, well, I no, don't... But he's, He's got some, you know, he's got the, the acting chops to do it, and he's he's got the physicality to play a Mandalorian. That's good. Uh, yeah, I, I know that, um, you know, when you look at, this is going to seem strange, right? But given the portrayal of Mandalorians that we've seen on screen, given their, their racial characteristics, I think that when you look at Gina Carano, you think, oh, yeah, she could be a Mandalorian. Like, she, she has the facial structure for it. Um, right. Nick Nolte is said to be appearing in this show. Uh, and my, one of my favorites, Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed himself. Uh, and, of, of course, he played himself on Arrested Development. That was one of my favorite roles of his as well. Uh, he's no stranger to the action movie. And I think that, uh, I mean, granted, he's he's much older than he was when he had those uh, seminal roles but i i think that uh he also could be really cool i mean we don't know who they're playing we don't know what role they're going to take but just knowing that these people are attached in some way shape or form um gets me excited for the show so I, i'm i'm looking forward to it ben i am too i cannot wait uh is there anything more about this show that you wanted to bring up or uh, should we move on to the books uh, I really don't know enough about it to bring. I know, anything right? Else that, up. That's the tricky thing. It's it's not as if we can really predict. All it's called is the Mandalorian. What I think would be really funny is if they cast this dude as Boba Fett, <laughs> 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 and like the first shot, because like oh, they just put out this like publicity photo of like a random like very generic looking Mandalorian armor, and like that dude is in like a fight scene in the first scene of the show, and he's immediately killed. And the camera pans back, and it's Boba Fett. Well, here's... Oh, that Boba Fett gets killed? No. 
Like like <laughs> like the random dude, this random Mandalorian, the random, the Randalorian, if you will. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was a stretch. Uh, it's not going to be about Boba Fett. It, you never know, dude. The, these people are weird, okay? But they, it's set after the fall of the Empire. Boba Fett is being digested in a Sarlacc pit for 10,000 years. Or is he? But don't even say that. Or is he? Jack. I, it, it hasn't been confirmed. Ben, I'm, I'm not saying I want it to happen. I'm just saying I could see it happening. I could this is very you realistically want to see it happening. You wanted to talk about Boba Fett no. being on the Mandalorian. It could happen. The Mandalorian could be about Boba Fett. <sighs> we will find out. But it's set in the New Republic. Well, not necessarily. It's set after Return of the Jedi. I mean, it, it, the Outer Rim, Ben, anything can happen out there. Yeah, well, but the official blurb, I'm looking at it right now. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. Okay, there's 30 years there. The series follows the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. Okay, what would you describe Tatooine as? Uh, an impossible planet. You, I, uh, sure, but you you would describe <laughs> Tatooine as in the far reaches of the galaxy, correct? You, you might say the outer rim. You of might the galaxy. say it's on the outer rim. You <laughs> might say that no one has ever given a shit about Tatooine, and no one ever will give a shit about Tatooine except for us Star Wars fans, because we know a lot of shit goes down there. You're making me look at these pictures and go, that could be Tatooine. And you might just say that if one Boba the Fett were to crawl out of the Sarlacc pit, that he would be alone. A lone gunfighter, if you will. I'm going to punch you right in the it's face. Not, it's not impossible. <laughs> All I'm saying is that it's not impossible. <sighs> anyway, now that you got that to chew on, let's move on. I, I'm Googling it right now as we speak, by the way. You can't see, but I'm doing it. There are two books that are coming out this year uh, in the very, I think in the short term, um, that we are looking forward to. The first is one called Queen's Shadow. It's actually coming out in March, March 5th. Um, it's a young adult novel written by E.K. Johnston. Now, that may be may set a shade on it that people don't like to hear, but I think that most people would consider young adult novels now to really just be about young adults. I, I don't think it means that, like, oh, it's written down or anything. I, 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 as far as I know, she's got a pretty good reputation uh, for writing Star Wars. So, Well, and, and realistically, most people don't read beyond a young adult level anyway. That's true. That's true. I, so. I mean, I'm, I'm just being honest. Right. Uh, so there, who better to take the subject of this young adult novel than uh, Padme Amidala. Uh, Queen's Shadow, it's set in between Star Wars Episode One and Star Wars Episode Two, And the official publisher's summary says, when Padme Naberi, excuse me, Padme Naberi, uh, Queen Amidala of Naboo, steps down from her position, she is asked by the newly elected queen to become Naboo's representative in the Galactic Senate. Padme is unsure about taking on the new role, but cannot turn down the request to serve her people. Together with her, with her most loyal handmaidens, Padme must figure out how to navigate the treacherous waters of politics and forge a new identity 
Beyond the Queen's Shadow. Uh, so I don't know how far along in the timeline this is going to be, where we'll find out, I guess, maybe how many years before she reunites with Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, but I, I know that she had been a senator before that. I, I don't think that they mentioned anything about how she was newly appointed or newly right. n- newly sent to the Senate. I think that we can assume she was had been a senator for a few years at that point. Uh, so I, I'm excited. We don't get a lot of solo Padme content. Uh, and for a character that is such a huge part of the prequels, uh, such a huge part of the fall of Anakin Skywalker, and a character that you and I have not necessarily been very kind to um, <laughs> with, with our with our analysis of her behavior and, um, you know, the, the way that she sees situations, I think that this certainly could shed some light on that. Okay. Are, are, do you not agree? Well, I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm... I'm curious because now we haven't been kind to Padme, uh, but I think we've also correctly identified the fact that there was no way Padme could be a decent human being or near human being. Well, at at least that the actions that she took in certain situations weren't self-serving to a point. Well, it, it, the thing is, based on her upbringing, you know, she was the governor of Theed, then the queen of the planet, then the sen- galactic senator, um, you know, from a very young age. I can't remember. I think we looked it up. I want to say it was like eight or ten. She was governor. Sure. You know, my God, I have 10 year old nieces and nephews. So. Uh, you know, she was in politics from a very young age to think of everything in terms of political maneuvering your entire life is going to color the way you behave with other people. Undeniably. So, uh, you know, while we haven't been kind, I think it's more an indictment of her shitty parents uh, and her terrible culture than it is of Padme herself. And we will learn more about that culture. Uh, right, and, and I want and those to. shitty parents <laughs> and those shitty parents. Um, I want to learn more about that culture. I I think her parents will almost certainly make an appearance in this book because they do. I mean, in the in the synopsis, they call her Naberi, which is her actually her her actual last name before she becomes queen. Maybe we can get a write up of that deleted dinner scene. Maybe I mean we don't need a write up of it because we can just watch the scene. But anyway. Yeah, fine, be that way. Uh, the other book, which we do not know too much about, which is interesting because it's not coming out. It's coming out relatively shortly as well. Um, Actually, it's a little later than I originally thought. I, oh, okay. I just looked it up on Amazon. It's coming out in April. In April, okay. It April is... 16th of 2019 is when it is available. Um, well, it's available for pre-order right now. And that is Master and Apprentice, written by Claudia Gray. Uh, oh, and before we move on from Queen's Shadow, which we already pretty much did, sorry about that, E.K. Johnston is is the same writer who took on the Ahsoka novel. Uh, so if you liked the Ahsoka novel, uh, then I'm sure you'll like the writing style of this one, too. But anyway, uh, yes, Claudia Gray taking on Star Wars once again uh, with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, in a story set before the events of Episode One, 
that's all I know about it to this point. I know it's 352 pages long. <laughs> in hardcover. Uh, yep. Um, and I know it will be available on audio. As most books are. And for Kindle. All on release day. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. You're giving us such fantastic details, Ben. Where, where, what would we do without you? I don't know. Um, also, uh, it appears to be the uh, Liam Neeson Qui-Gon Jinn and... Uh, um, Who the hell else? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at the cover art. I don't know anything else about it's, it. It's the, the Liam the blur- Neeson Qui-Gon as opposed to anyone else who's ever the, portrayed the, the Qui-Gon Jinn. The blurb for the book is literally a thrilling nar- novel starring Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi right. from best-selling author Claudia Gray. They That's literally, it. they literally, I, I can't think of a single time that Liam Neeson has not portrayed Qui-Gon Jinn in canon because the other appearances of Qui-Gon Jinn were in the Clone Wars, of which they also had Liam Neeson do the voice. Uh, Ewan McGregor does Obi-Wan according to the cover. Uh, <laughs> Yes. So when you read it, you should hear Obi Wan in Ewan's voice, McGregor's voice. Yes. Anyway, that was one of the funniest moments we've ever had on the show. It's the Liam Neeson version of Qui Gon Jinn. No shit. I'm just scraping for information. They have lightsabers and they're wearing robes. I what else? Uh, It reminds me of the. uh, There was a children's book series that was written back around the time of episode one called uh, Jedi Apprentice, which followed the chronicles of young Obi-Wan as he was trying to uh, make his way through the the Jedi ranks. And uh, it, it sort of, it, it told a very interesting story, actually. One, one that I, I wish we could kind of consider canon. We really can't anymore. But uh, with Qui-Gon not really initially choosing Obi-Wan as his Padawan. Uh, Obi-Wan kind of had to earn his way to that point. Uh, and Obi-Wan wasn't being chosen by anyone to be their student. Uh, he, he was kind of a wild child, much like Anakin. So well, I'm the, this is kind of way out there and I am completely speculating, but you know how the cover art sometimes gives you hints at the story. Yeah. Um, this cover art, if anybody happens to be a crossover fantasy fan, um, really reminds me of uh, a Dragonlance cover from the uh, Chronicles okay. Legends, Dragonlance Legends, um, with Raceland and Carmen back to back. If you look at the cover art, uh, Qui-Gon is facing forward. He's looking at you as the reader with his lightsaber in the ready position. Obi-Wan has his lightsaber in the guard position, but he is not facing forward. He's looking at something else, almost as if he has his back to Qui-Gon. So I wonder if there's some conflict between them. Man, we're doing some real deep diving here. I I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. Uh, that, all right, that's all. That'll be a I'm lot of done. fun. That'll be a lot of fun. All right. Is th- can you think of anything else that is coming out in 2019 that we need to cover before we jump to episode nine? No, but one more thing I want to mention because I'm very mad at you now. Uh oh. <laughs> and so I legitimately Googled whether or not Boba Fett was going to show up in the Mandalorian. And there is an entire article written about the fact that the rifle in the shots 
from the Mandalorian, the the studio shots, mm-hmm. is the same weapon Boba Fett uses in the holiday special. Well, would you look at that? So, though they haven't announced anything official, oh, I'm going to be so fucking mad if you're. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be so pissed off if you're right. I'm telling you, man, they're being vague on purpose. If oh, you look, I'm going to be so pissed if off. If you if look right. at Pedro Pascal, if you kind of squint, <laughs> he looks like he could be Tamora Morrison's kid, right? Like, granted, he's supposed to be playing a clone, but you can't get Tamora Morrison but to do it. But he's an unaltered clone. Even though I do feel like you could. Don't get me wrong. I feel like you could cast Tamora Morrison as an older Boba Fett, but the problem is for the time period that they were looking at doing this series, maybe he didn't fit the the mold. Maybe he was too old and it wouldn't have worked. But I like Oberyn Martell. Don't make him be Boba Fett too. <laughs> it's too late. I think Pedro Pascal is uh, Boba Fett. We better have to start a new segment called Zach Was Wrong. <laughs> but anyway... A whole section about how that with pictures and screenshots detail. And it is, it's the same gun in the holiday special or at least close enough that I can't say no. Yep. So, okay. You're, you're admitting that it's possibility. I'm admitting that I'm going to be mad at you. If it's right. The only thing that leads me to think that you might be wrong is there's no antenna on his helmet in this picture i don't know if that's him that's what i'm saying that might not actually be our lead that may be somebody completely random just completely it could be anybody (laughs) all right anyway we gotta now i'm gonna we gotta stop talking about this i'm gonna if we talk about clone worlds i'm gonna fangirl and if we talk about this i'm just gonna get angry okay so let's talk about something else to make me mad exactly uh let's talk about star wars episode nine so it's coming out this december um we know that the movie originally had a different writer and director. Uh, it was Colin Trevorrow, the writer and director of Jurassic World. Uh, and okay. we know that he was fired from the project or, or, you know, they came to an agreement that he would no longer do it. However, you want to place it. Right. Uh, we know that that happened after the death of Carrie Fisher. Uh, and it was announced then that, J.J. Abrams himself would be returning, even though he he said he was only interested in doing the one. Uh, Lo and and behold, he would be picking back up the mantle. He would be writing and directing the final piece of the Skywalker saga. And this was all announced before the release of The Last Jedi. So, again, this was not a critical. It wasn't a... um, what can I say? Like, I, I, I want to say it, it was announced before the release of The Last Jedi, right? I think so. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like it was a... um. It wasn't oh, solo-esque is what you're saying. It wasn't solo-esque. It wasn't, oh, uh, people are reacting poorly to this movie, so let's try and save it, right? Like, it was, it was a measured decision that they wanted to do before the reaction to Episode 8. Well, unless they had test audiences that provided an equal reaction. I don't think they did. They seemed pretty confident about this movie. Um, Okay. Which I think they had every reason to be, but we'll get into that in just a second. Um, Episode nine. um, We, I mean, I don't know how 
I think that you and I are in agreement that the story almost has to take place at least a few years after Last Jedi, right? Well, it's going to, whether we agree or not. You Well, uh, that's what I mean. You you believe that it will. I, I believe that it will. I'm pretty sure they told us that it will, that there's going to be a time jump of at least a year or two. I, I don't think we've heard that from anyone, but I, I think from context clues of what the story requires you can't do another immediate pickup of the story right i mean it, you need to allow the resistance to build back up their forces you need to allow ray to explore a little more about what the what the ancient jedi texts uh carry uh right and you need to allow the the heroes to lick their wounds before they jump back into the final battle if it is going to be a final battle, which you, I, I mean, it's the last part of a Star Wars trilogy there, right, but that doesn't mean it's this is the last episode of the Skywalker saga. That doesn't necessarily mean the Star War is over. Huh? OK, well, I'm just saying in theory, in theory, this movie could just be. Ray and Kylo both die. No more Skywalkers. The war rages on, and now we're going to tell other stories that don't involve this family. You're all fetishizing. So you, it is entirely possible that that could be what happens. You think that th at the end of Episode Nine, we could realistically get a a non-resolution or a resolution to Kylo Ren, but the First Order still exists and the war wages on. Maybe not the First Order, but the war could wage on. Okay. There could be, you know, um, honestly, we don't even know if the First Order is going to exist as we saw it when this episode starts. Supreme Leader Snoke is dead. Right, but Supreme Leader Kylo Ren is not. Supreme Leader Kylo Ren doesn't give two shits about what everything was called before. So it might be oh, something completely different depending sure. on the length of the time jump. Yeah, I suppose that's possible. I I I don't think that they would. I think I don't that would think be, they would be very unlikely because they'd have to rebrand all their merchandising. <laughs> right, right. I, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility. This isn't called the First Order anymore. This is called Kylo's Clubhouse. Okay, right. <laughs> and it's mine. <laughs> Man. Shut up, Hux. You're dumb. <laughs> Shut up, Hux. You're you're not allowed in the clubhouse anymore. <laughs> Freezes right. him it, in place. It or there could be a and I can't imagine how it could happen, but you know, whatever. There could be a peaceful resolution where there the Star War itself ends very quickly. You know what? I the more when you just said that i just had a huge brain flash right like of like man wouldn't that be something if the end of the skywalker saga wasn't this like final bloody climactic battle of sorts but more of a hey or or maybe they do fight but then at the end no nobody has to die what if they just resolve their differences and kylo snaps out of it and he he joins the good guys somehow and they 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 wind up resolving it in in a way that doesn't result in 
another fall of a galactic government. Right. What What if all of a sudden they they get to fight and uh, their lights uh, Kylo's lightsaber ignites and he gets all angry and squinty eyed, and then Ray's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, just chill out a second. Here. You don't have orange eyes yet. I just read some Jedi books, and you know what? You're right. Yeah. All this shit needs to burn. The Jedi didn't even want what the Jedi became. So, hang on. Come here and check out this graphic novel I stole from Luke before he died. Oh, uh, is is this a trick? Is this a joke? <laughs> no, it's like no trick. And <laughs> and then we they read it, and then he's like, oh, you Damn. know what? Maybe we should. Maybe we should let planets go back to ruling themselves. The separatists were right all along. <laughs> and then they uh, recall the tales of one Count Dooku. Dooku, right. And Dooku's force ghost shows up and he's like, <laughs> I was the hero of this all along. Well, that would be sad because unfortunately, Christopher Lee is no longer with us. Longer with us. So. I know. But I, I'm just saying, in theory, if the Jedi texts say what we think they say, what you and I have speculated about. It is entirely possible that, um, what was I going to say? Um, it is entirely possible that uh, when they meet, when they get together, um, they come to an understanding and they don't have to have a big climactic battle. I think the fans want a big climactic battle, and I think we're going to get one. But I think it would be really interesting if we didn't. Me too. If, if they join up together and then they take down the fascists of the first order and uh, let the and finish off whatever's left of the Republic and let the planets govern themselves. And then maybe you do have the end of the star of that star war. Right. Right. Because there's still near humans in that galaxy. So there will be another star war. Of course, there will be there will be star war two. <laughs> and that's what they call it star right. wars 2 <laughs> every film is now called star wars 2 from now on right because you know they had the the star war to end all star wars and then we have to have a sequel that's how it happens so do you think that this is really the end i i mean i we know that luke is in this film it's already been revealed. It's already been. They're not saving it as a surprise. Mark Hamill will be portraying Luke Skywalker once again in The Last Jedi in some form or fashion. He well, or, or, or sorry, not The Last Jedi. Excuse me. Episode nine. Um, we knew we knew that was going to happen in the first place because Mark Hamill said it shortly after the release of episode eight. Right. And then he said it again, you know, on his social media. Once the cast list was released, he said, yeah, <laughs> there, you know, I'm back. Just letting you know. I am back, and um, I think he implied heavily that he would be a ghostly presence. Um, well, because he's dead. Well, sure. No, I. You never well, know. Because he vanished. We don't know. He could have forced teleported. They they could have maybe just had him in the movie portraying Luke in flashbacks or something, right? Like that. We've already seen that they've done a flashback before. I was going to say that last time I mentioned flashbacks, you argued with me that that's not a Star Wars thing. But it, now I mean, it, is. it usually isn't right. But they've now they've kind of broken that barrier. So I, I you couldn't rule it out. But it, I think it's uh, we can pretty much assume that Luke will be in the movie as a force ghost. Um, Yoda could be back. We don't know. Uh, we also know that Carrie will be in the film using un 
used footage from uh, the uh, the Force Awakens. JJ uh, is going to cobble something together. They're going to have her in this movie. I mean, it, it's not going to be a lot, obviously, but she will be there in some way, shape, or form. So we will we'll also see if maybe we get any form of resolution to the Leia so, the Leia story. Um, so I guess with that being said, the Skywalker saga with Leia, Luke and Kylo being the only known ties to the Skywalker family at this point. Right. Uh, I mean, do you really think that this is the absolute end or do you think we get a, a 10, 11, 12 in a decade or, or something like that? I don't think this can be the end. Okay, explain. Well, well, the end, the end on film, because obviously you can use these characters in a multitude of different ways and many different forms of media. But I, I mean, will we? You think that we would see a continuation of the story of the Skywalker family on film again? I think we will see a Skywalker on film again at some point. Okay. Because I think the Force will just make a new Skywalker if there isn't one. Oh. Because the Skywalker family didn't really start because of anything other than, well, Darth Plagueis, but, um, or Palpatine, depending. Um, but that that happened. So even if even if the entire family is wiped out today, there's nothing to say that that doesn't happen later in the future at another point. So you think that the door is open, What, whatever the result of this film, you think the door is open for them to write another Skywalker, write essentially another virgin birth into the mix? Well, I'm saying essentially there could be another Skywalker. And if I were Disney, this is what I would do. Okay. I would... Okay, we end the Skywalker saga. It's over. We do the peripheral stuff. We don't have anything else in film. And then 13 years down the road, 10 years down the road, five years down the road, if interest ever starts to wane, Skywalker's return to the big screen. And instantly every fan that's still alive and not on a respirator um, goes down to buy a ticket. Because I would. If you put something out that was a continuation of the Skywalker line, and it really wouldn't be that hard to do. I mean, in theory, we don't know what Squirmy was up to when he was on Tatooine. You don't really need a virgin birth. <laughs> wait, wait a second. I mean, Wormy. Squirmy was his sister. I forgot. <laughs> wait a second. You're saying that, like, that Luke, while he was on Tatooine, so, like... Right. In his teenage years, right? Biggs' that- sister. They lived on a farm. There was nothing else to do. <laughs> like we both live in Wisconsin. You drink and you- okay, <laughs> it's winter time. Sure. Um, so, except it's the desert, so you drink water. <laughs> well, but you know, it, it's not that much different. <laughs> Turns out, uh, Luke, you had an illegitimate child at some point. What? <laughs> well, and it's not like there isn't precedent for him not knowing. <laughs> okay right i i don't know maybe the mother didn't tell him because she died in birth because she lost the will to live <laughs> what no <laughs> 
This is impossible. Just I am saying. not the father. Now, I, 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 I doubt that they're going to drag Luke into that sort of drama. But, you know, Ben. Maybe that's how we got Ray. You don't know. Everything's possible. Everything's on the table at this point. I think that uh, I think JJ's got a very big task ahead of him, and I can't wait to see how it all turns out. Uh, I think that you could make the argument, and this is our last conversation point of the night. I think you could make the argument that this task has been made ever so more difficult by the uh, the split reaction to the latest film in the well the the latest saga film in the franchise, and that would be, of course, the Last Jedi. What sort of podcast would we have if we weren't talking about the Last Jedi? It's in some way, shape, or form, right? It's right. It's come up many times over the entire year of 2018. Um, and I, I thought about it. I thought, how can we do a look ahead of 2019 before we do one more look back at the end of 2017? Because that makes sense, right? All right. I'll let you have it this time. Okay. Ben, we have... I, I've had a breakthrough. All I, right. I've had a breakthrough on this film, and I hope that maybe, just maybe, this is the stroke of genius that allows you to see this film at least a little bit in the way that I do. Look, I can I can't refute some of the strange filmmaking decisions that Ryan Johnson made, okay? The Holdo thing is weird for plot contrivance, right? Like I I can't I can't explain that. There are some things, some decisions that are made, they're they're they've been made. I I accept them, but I can't you know, I can't defend them, per se. But what I have always defended was the behavior and the decisions of the characters around the Skywalker story. And that would be Luke, primarily, but also Rey and Kylo Ren. I thought that the the stories of those three characters and how they were interwoven together, I thought that was handled masterfully. And I've always felt that way. I felt that way coming out of the theater the first time I saw the film. Now, obviously, I am not... I, I, I would say I'm probably still in the majority on that. <clears throat> but I'm not completely joined by... What, what am I trying to say? Uh, there not are many everyone people... everyone agrees with yes, you. Yes, there are many people, including you, Ben, who have felt that Luke was not portrayed correctly in the film, Right. Well, that that is accurate, but um, I too have had a revelation about this. And, oh, uh, oh boy! So once you're done, um, I want to tell you what I think Episode Nine is going to do to make Episode Eight amazing. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, th this will be a real treat. So, but go ahead. I don't want to. You are absolutely right. For until this very moment, I have had nothing but contempt for the portrayal portrayal of Luke Skywalker. Okay, and here is why I think I can't stop you from disliking the way that things turned out. Right? I can't. I can't say that you are incorrect for feeling the way that you feel about Luke's decisions, but. To argue that Luke's decisions are completely illogical, that they would never happen, that the Luke Skywalker that we have come to know would never make these decisions, uh, I have to disagree. And that's because 
Well, of, of two major factors. One, Luke is uh, he's suffering from. I I I I I've kind of come to the conclusion that he's suffering from mental illness. Okay. I mean that that's not something that can be cured by a pep talk, right? That's not something that can be cured by whatever Yoda says to him, whatever Ray says to him, whatever even his sister could possibly say to him. I mean, I the, getting a little personal here, I suppose I got to dig really into the well to try and defend this standpoint. Um, I, I would not say at this moment that I am clinically depressed. Okay. But I would say that there was a time in my life uh, in about late 2014 to early to mid 2015 that you probably could, if, if I had gone and sought professional help, you probably could have had me diagnosed as clinically depressed. Uh, I, I just, I could not shake the feeling that I wasn't good enough for a lot of things. Um, and it, it, it just sucked. There was nothing that could make me feel better. Um, and, and I'm not trying to make people feel weird. I'm not trying to be like, oh, boo, boo hoo, you know, sorry for me. I'm just saying that like in the light brush, because I would not describe my way that way now. I, I've, I, there's a lot in my life going for me that I really appreciate. There's a lot of people in my life that I appreciate. Ben, you're one of them. And I, so, so you do have a mental illness. That <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, but it, mental illness is a very real thing, Right. And, and it's a very serious subject. It's a very it's a very serious subject. And I'm not saying that Star Wars is trying to make light of it. Quite the opposite. I think that when you would look at a character like Luke Skywalker, um, someone whose entire belief system and perspective of self-worth was destroyed because of at least actions that he perceived were entirely his own, then I imagine that anybody would be just a little bit... Um, messed up in the aftermath of that to a, a very large degree. It's not something that you can take a little bit of time on, uh, you know, Octo and realize, oh man, I've been a little bit of a jackass, right? Or I need to go be a hero or whatever. I, I think that it shook him to his absolute core in a very un, it just a, a way that he's not really going to be able to process on his own. And he did the exact wrong thing. He went into exile when he should have probably tried to talk it out. But that's not what he did. And instead, it had just been building and building and building and layering in his mind until there was no other solution to his problem other than to not be around, to allow himself to wither and die away from the galaxy. That's tragic. That's an absolute tragedy. For people to say that that's not a legitimate possibility, that that's not a legitimate circumstance, that this, I mean, granted, this heroic character, this character from, you know, many people's childhoods, of course, you never want to sit there and think, oh, this character, I mean, he's like infallible, right? There's no way that this could happen to him. I mean, it can happen to anybody. So why couldn't it happen to this character? Uh, okay. And the, the second thing that really kind of cemented this for me, so much of the force, so much 
of not not even being a Jedi, but just being a Force user is a matter of belief. Is a matter of believing in not only your own ability to accomplish the task, but also belief in the world around you, belief in the Force, belief in what you can do. You know, it, it it's all about belief. Yoda can lift the X-Wing because Yoda perceives the situation differently than Luke does. If Luke's perception of the situation has been altered so greatly and you put him in a situation like he may have been in the in the past where you're fighting for your life and you're you have to call upon the force to defend yourself, I don't know if I would trust Luke to do that in that situation. I think it would be a bad idea for him to try and do that. Now, the conclusion that he does come to where he uses that projection of himself, what I've been calling the legend of Luke Skywalker, the the more perfect, the more idealized version of Luke that I think that many people would have expected to have shown up on Crate, uh, to use that illusion to create the image that everybody watching that battle will never forget, not, not just those of us at home, but I mean the people in-universe. Uh, everybody watching that will never forget Luke Skywalker facing down the entire First Order with a laser sword. That's not something that he would have been able to do had he actually been on the planet. But he he can do it from far away because he has the belief in himself. He has the belief in that version of himself. Does that make any sense? It makes sense what you're saying. Okay. So I, I guess that, that that's my whole point. I think that the mental illness factor plays into the force factor. Yes, Luke Skywalker, in theory, is a badass. He is one of the most powerful force users of all time. And of course, by this point, 30 years down the road from Return of the Jedi, there's no reason why we shouldn't believe that Luke could go in there and take out a whole bunch of troopers and be this awesome action hero badass guy that we wish that he was. But I'm sorry to say that with everything that went down in his life to that point he he wasn't he wasn't equipped to do it he didn't have the belief in himself he didn't have the belief in the force and i think it's completely justified in the storytelling okay so what do you think um i still don't agree okay um, but I have different reasons why I disagree. Okay. Than I would have now, months ago. So this this is part of your breakthrough. Yes. Okay. Do tell. So I was thinking about this. I was listening to my favorite Star Wars podcast the other day, and I realized these guys in this podcast are pretty sharp, and they probably know what they're talking about. Maybe. Hmm. Okay. And so with the understanding that they are correct in what was found in those books in the tree, hear me out a, a little bit, okay? Because this is predicated on the fact that those guys were right about the books in the tree. Okay, so so they have made conclusions as to what they believe is in the books? 
Correct. Or they have sources that are telling them what's in the books. They have made conclusions. They have made wild guesses because they can. Okay. So this is all based around the theory that you could be wrong. Right. It's predicated on the fact that those two guys are right about what's in those books. Okay. Well, what what did they think was in the books? Uh, They think in the books is the original. It's us, Zach. uh, This is my favorite Star Wars podcast. (laughs) So, So we think that the books contain information that at once upon a time, the Jedi were force users. Wait, you're not making a joke? This is actually... Yeah, this is this is my favorite. This is the only Star Wars podcast I regularly <laughs> listen to. Okay, um, okay, you had me going there for a second. All right, no, so no, no. so what you're saying? Um, our, our theory, the theory, our we theory came up that with. the books just contain the Jedi that there was no light side, dark side originally. I don't know if that was our theory. Okay, that well, that's have, my that theory. might have just been your theory because again, I, I think the dark side of the Force is a very real thing. But c- continue. Okay, so. Base predicated on that being correct. When I watch the first two movies again, and by first two, I mean seven and eight. Okay. So Luke goes to Octo. He leaves behind a map. So he's intending to return. Well, at least we think so. Maybe, maybe he thought he would. At right, some he point. didn't. He didn't leave behind a map if he didn't ever want to be part of civilization again. Um, also, somebody else had to go to Octo with him. Somebody else had to. What makes you think that? There's not an astromech in the uh, X-wing underwater, and R2 is back with the Resistance, and he has the last piece of the map. Hmm. Okay. So R2 had to get off Octo somehow. Okay. Okay. So my my new theory is that Luke, after the fiasco with Kylo, um, runs to Octo looking for information. And he finds these books and he reads them and he realizes that not only is he wrong, but Obi-Wan's wrong, Yoda's wrong. And he probably talks to them about it. And he cuts himself off from the force, not because he can't handle it, or not because he you know, does, feels ashamed for himself and doesn't want to be part of the universe anymore, but because he doesn't want to listen to Obi-Wan and Yoda or even Anakin, maybe, because they're all wrong about the Force. So he cuts himself off to shut them out. And he's sitting on Octo, hiding, but he's there because he... Like Kylo wants the Jedi to die, Luke does too. Because that idea of the Jedi is wrong. And so he's not hiding because he's ashamed. He's not hiding because he doesn't think he can affect the world because he feels he's a failure. He's hiding because he succeeded in the wrong thing. Because his Jedi teachings brought him to the point where he would almost kill his nephew. 
the Jedi way had brought him away from what was Luke Skywalker. Cause that was my, one of my big objections was Luke Skywalker wouldn't even, he said flat out, he wouldn't attack Vader, but then he tried to kill Kylo. That doesn't make sense. Well, it's years later. And what has he been doing for those years? He's been instructing other Jedi in the Jedi way. Right. So he's lost the moral high ground because he's taken up the Jedi position. I see. I see. Okay. So what I, I'm not trying to take you off track. I'm just trying to make sure we're we're on the same line of thought here. So what, what I originally tried to defend this movie with, with the logic that, Luke had lost his way, which is what you're, you're currently saying. Uh, you're you're just saying that he lost his way directly because of the Jedi tradition, right? I'm I'm actually saying he lost his way before attacking Kylo, and drawing the lightsaber on Kylo was what made him realize the Jedi way was wrong. Okay, I I here we go. All right, so we're we're reaching the same conclusion in a way. What I thought was simply Luke losing faith in himself for the decisions the the decision that he made in that moment you're saying that it's more Luke losing faith in the Jedi and blaming the Jedi tradition for him making that decision right interesting that's that's what i think okay and so because when he goes to talk to when when he's talking to Ray and maybe I'm misremembering this now, but I watched it not that long ago specifically to watch for this. Okay. So I don't think so. When he's talking to Ray, he's talking about how he failed Kylo. But he's not talking about how he was a bad Jedi or a bad master. He's not talking about how he didn't live up to the Jedi standard. He's talking about how he failed himself in kylo well right because he was a good jedi right i I mean he he makes that point in the movie i mean he straight up tells ray that the jedi are responsible for unleashing darth vader upon the galaxy right i mean that that's what watching back through these context clues or for me anyway watching back through it he really despises or not despises but he has when he when he goes up in the elevator to the throne room in episode six and he announces, I am a Jedi like my father before me. He genuinely thinks that trying to redeem Vader is the Jedi way. Right. And which is really funny because up until that point, the only two Jedi he had ever known were telling him to kill, kill him, right? kill him now. Exactly. But he's confident he has the Jedi way. And I think once he started getting into the Jedi teachings, because I I don't believe that these books on Octo were the only thing that he ever, I'm sure he sought out holocrons. Right. I'm sure he's been to the Jedi temple on Coruscant. Because there's years in there. He, He built an entire school. Right. So he's, and I'm sure he was bringing those Jedi teachings based on that. And then when he failed Kylo, I think he sought out Octo. And when he got there, he read the original Jedi text and went, fuck, it was, I was wrong. I I was right in, in return. 
and I lost my way between then. And I'm, it's a shame that I almost had to kill my nephew to see how far I had strayed, but I made the same, I had the same problems that the Jedi and the prequels did. I had hubris and I thought the Jedi way was the only way. And I wanted to force these people to do things that way. And that way is wrong. And so he goes to Octo, finds this information out, and then is just done with it. He cuts himself off. And he doesn't know what's going on because he's cut himself off from the Force. And he doesn't return. He scraps his X-Wing so he can't. Now, he still knows Kylo's out there. He knows the Jedi way isn't going to die if he does. But he also knows Kylo, well, it doesn't know, but I'm speculating that even as a student, Kylo was asking questions and having this burn it all down attitude. Why can't we learn that? Sure. You know, because I'm imagining Luke saying, you know, well, Sith lightning, that's a dark side power. We don't use that. And Kylo's like, well, what if we use it for good? And Luke's like, well, no, it says in the book that force lightning is a bad power. We don't use that. Also, I still have a burn from that. No, <laughs> Right. It sucked really much bad, but only bad guys <laughs> use it. Um, so no, we don't learn it. And Kylo's like, well, but isn't it why we use it? Doesn't that matter? Isn't the, that just a tool? The Ezra so argument, I, right? What? I said the Ezra argument. Right. How we choose and, to fight. I and, and the thing is, I think Kylo learning was a lot like Ezra. I think Kylo and Ezra had a lot in common. Um. And so I I think that he realized, because he knows that Kylo's still out there. He knows the Knights of Ren exist, probably. And when he realizes that he's wrong, he cuts himself off from the Force to just be done. Because the Jedi have taken the Force out of everybody's hands. And as long as the Jedi Order exists, the Force will be their exclusive purview. Okay. So under and, under this theory, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off. Let, oh no, go right ahead. Under this theory, then, does it help you reconcile? Because your 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 biggest hang up in all of this has been when he when he does make the connection across the force to Leia and realizes that Leia is in danger and that the resistance may be on its last legs. Your your biggest problem has been that he still does not take up the lightsaber and leave Octo. Right. Under this new theory, do you think that there's any more legitimacy to that decision? Well, under under this new theory, I think even though we didn't see it on screen, I think when he reaches out through the forest and senses Leia, I also think he senses Ray. And I think he senses Kylo, and I think he realizes that Kylo didn't kill Leia, even though he had the chance. Oh. Okay. And so I think the reason he doesn't show up now is because he doesn't think Kylo is Darth Vader. He doesn't think Kylo is... Or, or actually, more readily, I think he does think Kylo's Darth Vader. Okay. I, I think he thinks Kylo is a lot more like Darth Vader than he wants to be, because I don't think Snoke really understood who Darth Vader was. No, I don't think so either. 
And so I think Luke in that moment, I think he shows up as the force ghost, not because he doesn't run up to help. Okay. Which is what I originally thought watching it the first two or three times. I think he shows up as the force ghost because that's what he thinks Kylo needs. Huh? Because ultimately he's going to go burn the books down. He's going to destroy the books. No, this is after the book thing. No, no, no. I I understand that's after the books, but I'm saying when he goes to destroy the books, he's going to destroy them. If he finds out the books are no longer in that tree, he might react differently. But Yoda, being the manipulative shit that Yoda has been in all of his appearances, does not tell him that. And destroys the tree before Luke has a chance to get close enough to find out. Now, now that was my other question in this. My one flaw in your theory, which I love because it's helping you reconcile this movie. <laughs> well, it's predicated um, on the fact that they that the movie nine ultimately agrees with us about right. what the Jedi started at. Right. So we just have to cross our fingers and hope that JJ is listening. Um, the the one thing that I can find here that might disprove your theory is that Luke you're right. Yoda is the one who destroys the tree. Luke runs up there with his Molotov cocktail. But, well, and we but don't does necessarily not... know that he's going to light the tree on fire. Well, he does. He he lights it aflame. Like, he lights no, he his little bomb aflame. No, he does He lights it. That's a signal flare. He might have been using that for light. It was dark outside. Oh, come on, Ben. I no, think... no. I, I mean, really, I'm not saying that he wasn't going to burn it. I'm just saying he didn't have a chance. Okay. Well, I, I, I think that he, I mean, he makes a motion as if he's going to throw it inside. So I, my assumption in that scene has always been that it's sort of a Molotov cocktail of of some sort and that he is about to destroy the tree with, with flame. He's not going to. I think that's what we're supposed to believe. Right. He's not, and then he, he pulls up. He stops himself from destroying the books. And then when the lightning strikes the tree. He tries to run inside to save the books and is blown back by the fire. Right. So twice he he wants to save the books. He doesn't actually want to destroy them. Well, what, and, and that's what leads me to believe that maybe he didn't go there to burn them when he went up there in the first place. But because he, when lightning strikes a tree, he goes to run in to save. But them. he tells Yoda, I'm going to destroy it all. Right, but maybe he's going to destroy it all by revealing the text to everybody that chose the Jedi were corrupted. Hmm. Because everybody still believes the Jedi are this hero, these heroes, these legendary romanticized warriors. Okay, I, I'd have to. I, I'll admit it's been a while since I've seen the scene, so I, I, I I'd have to rewatch it to get the specifics exactly. I, I know what you mean. I'd like to be able to make the connection. That is the one. Area I'm just where saying I'm a little gray on this. We and I tried to watch it like this. I tried to watch the movies, the last two, and try to push from my mind all of the the baggage that I carry with me into a Star Wars movie. Right. And just look at what was happening on screen for what it was, and to see. And when it dawned on me that Luke is saying, I want to destroy it all. 
he might not. He was actually saying the exact same thing Kylo was. He was. He was saying the same thing. He was, yeah. And so if we're right about what's in those books, destroy it all might not have meant destroy the books. It might have meant destroying the paradigm. Right. It's possible. Plus, the only thing we saw in the tree was the Jedi text, but that doesn't mean that's the only thing that was there. Mm-hmm. So, because it, it strikes me as odd that this place, there is a light temple, which is where he performs his uh, send my force ghost across, or not force ghost, my forced illusion across the galaxy from. Mm-hmm. That's a light side temple. Well, he tells I, us that. I don't know if it's a light side temple. Well, it's, it's a temple that was used temple. by the Jedi. Sure. Okay, so under the, the Jedi Sith paradigm, we're going to call that a light side temple. And below it on the shore is a dark side temple, for lack of a better term, the pit. Right. Okay. And then there's this tree that's not anywhere near either one. Mm. That's separate. You're right. It's not by the Jedi area. It's not by the light side area. It's not by the dark side area. It's a gnarled old hollow tree. It's not by either. The Jedi didn't build their little adobe city near it. Mm-hmm. The Jedi had abandoned this site. Ostensibly, it was hidden for some reason in the archives. And the books had never right they they were abandoned they they were never brought over to coruscant exactly if luke so, knew if luke knew where they were if he knew that he had to go to octo to find the the dawn of the jedi there must have been a reason why the jedi didn't have this these items already exactly so what is that reason and the reason in my opinion is that I'm right, and originally the Jedi Order was just force using. I never thought about that. I never because they, thought about that. I, I never, you, you know what I mean? Like, I've, obviously, right. it's always been in the back of our mind that, like, oh, the, this, what the Jedi became certainly wasn't, maybe, well, maybe wasn't what they always were. But it never crossed my mind to think, why, if, if these books were so important to the Jedi religion, why didn't they maintain them? Why didn't what, they keep them? And and I think looking at, at being a Jedi as a religion, okay, you look at the religions. Well, religion, on, tradition, whatever you want well, to say. But, but I'm just using the religious paradigm. If we found, and every time we do, it's a big deal, an earlier copy of a religious text, that gets studied. We put it in a museum to protect it. We don't abandon it. Right. And and the Jedi, the Jedi were such a powerful, not everybody in the galaxy was a Jedi, but everybody in the galaxy believed in the Force, even after the Jedi were gone. So the religion of Force for example, may the force be with you is a thing. Even non-force users said, right? So that's why Godspeed took me out of 
the movie both times they said it and why it still gets under my skin to this day when I hear it. Um, because the belief in the force was so pervasive. Everybody knows the force is real. Even people who've never seen it. Even Han Solo, who doesn't buy into it, understands that everyone else does. Well, eventually, right? Well, no, no. I when they first meet him, he he makes you know hokey religions and ancient whatever he says, ancient weapons, right? Not nothing like a good blaster at your side. He understands that this is a religious belief that a lot of people have, just not me. Sure. So, well, but he like I, he also he also says though that that he doesn't believe the force is real. He he says there, I I, I don't think there's anything that's binding, you know. The, he, right. He, there, there's well, nothing that's controlling like that my destiny. You know what I mean? But we have people like that today, too. Yeah. So um, I just mean looking at, at our world as an example of the way humans behave. Right. So when you're when you're looking at that again, it, and it wasn't until I watched it and just went, OK, don't don't think about it. Watch it and then think about it. And I watched it once without thinking about anything. Um, I even watched it once without the sound on, so I didn't have to hear the words. Okay, interesting. I just mean because I wanted to get the visuals, because you love this movie so much, and I didn't. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, what do I have to do to dissect this movie? What am I missing that Zach's picking up on? And I don't necessarily think I missed anything that you picked up or or that you missed anything I picked up. But watching it again, I was like, wait a minute. And I've said before, why did Luke leave a map if he was hiding? Right. And and I think, uh, was it Max? Who played the old guy? I wanted to say Max von Sydow. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It was Max von Sydow. He played uh, Lor Santeca. Okay, who? so Lor Santeca had the other part of the map. He did. He had almost the entire map, except the part R two had. So I'm guessing he's the one that helped that went to Octo with Luke, he and ve- then he very well he could took have been R two away. He very well could have been. So, because otherwise, why would he have had it? Uh, right. He. I mean, he might have gotten it from somebody. And, and Leia must have known that he went because they sent Poe to go get it from oh, that guy. Oh shit! Yeah, that's true. Leia knew he had that piece of the. I mean, Leia knew he had the whole thing. Right. Well, but isn't that interesting then? So Leia knew. Again, this really plays back into my... I do not... I totally stand with Luke for, for not coming back immediately. As soon... I mean, granted, I, I, get what, I get where you've been coming from where like, oh, Luke... He should have come back as soon as he knew that Leia was hurt. You, you were, your original stance on it was as soon as Luke knew that Leia needed him, he should have gotten the ship and right. came back. And my my opinion on that has always been, hell no. I don't want to go fight in your stupid-ass war. I don't care if we're brother and sister. That this That's not my life anymore, and I'm not going to go do that. Again, Leia, if she knew where he was, or no, maybe not knew where he was, but if she knew that someone knew where he was this whole time and still never tried to go and find him or never tried to go and send for him until the absolute last moment when all hope was about to be lost, that's a really shitty thing to do. 
Well, and, and the other thing is, I actually think that was planned now. What do you mean? I I think Leia knew where Luke was going. Didn't didn't have the star charts, obviously, but knew where he was going. Knew why he was going. I think that he went there, and I think he found the text, and I think he sent Lore back and told Leia, "No, this has to end. The Jedi were the problem. The Jedi oh. caused the strife in the first Galactic Civil War. The Jedi enforced the status quo." We can't let them come to power again oh. because it'll just happen again. And so until all hope was lost, Leia didn't go get him because, like Luke says, you don't want Luke Skywalker. You want the legend of Luke Skywalker. And Ray, it's not Leia that says we need the Jedi back. Right. It's Ray that interprets the situation as Leia is sending me to go get Luke to bring back the Jedi. But Leia is sending her to go get Luke. Leia doesn't say we need the Jedi. No, yeah, exactly. It's it's Rey who says, man, we need the Jedi Order back. Right. And so I think that Luke is there and he's cut himself off from the Force because the Jedi were the catalyst that caused not just Unleashed Vader on the world, but the Jedi were the reason that the whole Galactic Civil War started. Right. The Jedi were the reason the Empire existed in the first place. Right. And he didn't want the Jedi to be the... Because people were depending on the Jedi, which gave the Jedi more power, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like, I've pointed out a million times, at the end of Episode 3, Mace Windu is plotting a military coup. He says flat out, if Palpatine won't surrender power, then the Jedi will have to take it and oversee a peaceful transition. That's correct. So the Jedi, the Jedi were so, they were the, well, I've always said the Jedi were evil, but they were just as much to blame as everything else. And the, the things that we traditionally see as evil only were allowed to fester and survive because of the Jedi. And Luke says as much in the movie. Mm -hmm. He says as much in The Last Jedi. So that's why I guess I'm just shocked that it's taken you this long to come around on this. Well, but but the thing is, when I was watching it the first time, I was hearing Luke's words, but they were Luke's words. Okay. So I was still looking for Luke from the from Return. Okay. A logical progression of Luke from Return. And it doesn't make sense to me that... Luke would try and kill his nephew. Okay, that doesn't make sense in the first place. And then the next thing was, if he did something and unleashed this evil on the world, why is Luke Skywalker not trying to fix it? And so I watched it, and then it dawned on me, wait a minute, he is trying to fix it. Right. He is trying to fix it because Kylo Kylo's going to do ultimately what Luke wants done. He wants to be done with it all. And okay. once Kylo killed Snoke, it's over. There are no Jedi and Sith anymore. As long as Rey doesn't become a Jedi. Okay. So the next title, my new my new theory is going to be Star Wars Episode 9. Ah, oh, fuck, there's another Jedi. <laughs> because I think these whole movies were building up to the fact that, again, the Skywalkers are bringing balance. They're ending what we think of as Jedi. Right. Which, when you look at the Star Wars canon as a whole, 
and I know that this existed and we pointed out that it's, it existed in the, in the original trilogy too. We just didn't notice it because the Jedi were the heroes, but the entire star Wars canon is about the Jedi abusing power. All of it. Right. So th- this is, this is six movies, nine movies now um, I'm hoping now if I'm wrong about what episode nine is going to entail, then that's going to throw this out. And then I'm going to be not happy with eight again, unless episode nine is amazing in a different way, which is fine. I'm open to that. Okay. So I, I guess that was going to be my final thought wrap up question here. Even after this breakthrough that you've had, which I, I love it. It's actually made me look at the film even differently than I did before. And I think that it is, I, I mean, I, I love it even more now. I think that they did a great, you know, they did a great job with this portion of the film. Um, you, this is all predicated. This all hinges on the possibility, or on, or on the, uh, on the, um, the confirmation that the Jedi Order was something different than we saw it to be. Well, this particular theory hinges on that. I'm not saying that Episode Eight retroactively being better than I thought it was hinges on that because JJ could do something amazing with episode nine, take it in a different way that still makes me see where the, where the things were going. Okay. I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, if Lucasfilms doesn't listen to our podcast and make this movie the way I think it should be made, that I am automatically going to hate it. We don't, we don't want to fall in. We don't want to fall into that trap because that is uh that's a terrible way to think, all of you folks who didn't like Episode Eight because of that reason. But, but I did uh, decide to look at it and take a page from your book and say, okay, based on what I know about Luke Skywalker, what I know to be true, right? What would have to happen for this to make sense? And the real big difference between my take on it and yours is where we think Luke lost his way. You think Luke lost his way um, after he tried to kill his nephew and went to Octo and cut himself off because he was ashamed. Well, I I, I wouldn't say ashamed, just, you know. I I mean, it wasn't just the act of trying to kill his nephew. I mean, it was the fact that that was the act that drove his nephew over the edge. And caused the destruction of his school and and the murder of his students and the end of everything that he had tried to build over the course of his adult life. See, and and I think that he which realized I, I, I his don't adult, I, I'm, oh. I'm sorry. I don't think I don't think that that complete uh, excuse me that that can be completely discounted in all of this. You, you got to realize that is a serious tragedy. Well, and and I do think it's a serious tragedy, and I think that that's the moment that Luke realized that his entire adult life after return was fucked up. Uh huh. Like, like I think he it not saying, "Oh my God, I almost killed my nephew," but saying, "What did I do that brought me to this point?" And then being Luke Skywalker, what do I have to do to fix it? So. To in my mind, his exile now becomes the noble way of fixing the galaxy. And refusing to show up is because he realizes ultimately that that will be worse. 
and he shows up at the end not because he he's trying to give I, I mean yeah he's trying to give Leia a chance to escape and he's trying to teach Kylo a lesson and maybe he's going to make sure that he's leaving everything in good hands because he tells Kylo if you strike me down I'll be with you always just like he is right just like your father right so he's he's coming there to make sure Kylo is not Palpatine because despite all of Snoke's you're no Vader Kylo is he's he's very much the Hayden Christensen version of Vader <laughs> okay well I'm not saying that as an insult I, I just mean realistically he's a mopey emo teen that's that's Anakin which is funny because he's not a teenager he's 29 no. But but he's okay. Maybe I should say it this way: He's not Darth Vader. He's Anakin. Yeah, and he's not completely fallen to the dark side because Anakin was also very Ezra Bridger like. Why can't I do this? It's wh how I fight and what I fight for that matters. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's not what tools I use to get the job done. It's why I'm doing the job and what job am I doing? Wow. Man. And so under that, you know, do I still wish he would have went back to help? Yeah, I still wish he would have. I still wish he would have gotten on the Falcon. But at least now it makes more sense in my head. And it doesn't hurt that Mark seems kind of happy to be going back. Oh, sure. Right. Which, because he was not happy about his, he had the same problems with the portrayal of Luke Skywalker that I did. Right. And so for him to be happy about the resolution gives me hope. A new hope, maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. We have to stop having movies that I have to hope about so I can stop making that stupid fucking joke. And Ben, rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> but that's so I think that's the thing. I think that's what needs to happen. And so I think episode nine is going to be I think it's going to be good. Um, I have every reason to believe that it's going to be good. Um, episode seven was great. Episode eight is better now in my mind than it was when it came out that's good that's all i ask but again if episode nine i think episode nine is going to give us the information that makes everything make sense and i'm not saying they're going to spoon feed us everything i'm not saying they're going to show us every step of the way but i think we're going to see kylo not become a sith lord I think we're going to see Luke show up as a force ghost to talk to somebody. And I actually hope it's both of them. I hope so too. And I, I genuinely don't know, um, uh, what's going to happen. Uh, you know, I would love to have Ray and Kylo have little kids in the, the end credit <laughs> scene is, uh, you know, a little Luke Wren running around. But what about Ray and Finn? 
What about Finn and Rose? <laughs> Finn and Rose. You can't have Ray and Finn and Finn and Rose. Well, no, I, I, I'm saying what about those plot threads, right? What about Ray and Poe? Here's, here's the thing. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and, and the reason that I say that is this is not episode nine, a Finn story. <laughs> this is a fucking saga film. Right. I want it to be about the Skywalker family. Right. Which ultimately, and, and again, in my opinion, that's where The Last Jedi shines. I am not going to defend the unfortunate decisions that were made to, to quote unquote, to seemingly give Finn and Poe something to do. Right. <laughs> to give them some conflict to grow from. Well, I, I'm not going of, to defend that, but I will defend vociferously the decisions made around the storyline that we are talking about now. Well, and, and ultimately, I think I think the movie suffers from the fact that they're trying to make an, an ensemble cast out of a saga film. Because none of the other saga films were ensemble films. That's true. If you think about it, I mean, we, we complain about that all the time. That the, the Return were, of the Jedi completely drops Han and Leia. Well, but even if it doesn't drop Han and Leia, Leia is still a member of the Skywalker family. That's true. Yeah. You don't see a thing of Han running off on his own for an extended period of time. It's Han and Leia together. Right. Or Luke and Han or Luke and Leia. You're following one of the Skywalker kids. And in the prequels, you're either following Anakin or Padme, who are the mother and father of the Skywalker kids. Yep, that's true. Or Obi-Wan. Or well, but rarely Obi-Wan on their own on his own and if you do follow Obi-Wan on his own, it's to move the Skywalker story forward. There's not an Obi-Wan love story in the saga. That's in Clone Wars. Right. So am I mad you put a Finn and Rey love story in? Yes. But not because it's a Finn and Ray love story, but because it doesn't belong in a fucking saga film. Unless Ray is watching them have a touching moment. Oh, you mean you mean a Finn and Rose love story? That's what I meant. Finn and Rose. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, it, I'm not mad that Finn and Rose have a side story. I'm not mad at Finn and Rose's acting career. I'm mad at the directorial choice to focus on something other than the fucking main characters of the fucking film, because it's a saga movie. You want to do a Finn and Rose story? Fucking do it. We'll go see it. We may not like it. Right, but <laughs> but the reason we didn't go see the last Star Wars movie that you made was because you tried to shoehorn a bunch of side plots into a saga film. You forgot you were making a saga film. Even in The Force Awakens, what parts of The Force Awakens don't focus on a member of the Skywalker family? I mean, are you considering Han Solo a member of the Skywalker family? Well, but when you see Han Solo on film, what's he doing? He is. He's interacting with Ray. He's helping out the kids. Up. Okay, so you are considering Ray a member of the Skywalker family? Oh yeah, I am. I'm Ray is connected somehow. I don't know, but she is. Okay, I I, I was gonna say because that that obviously is a a predicating factor here in some way. Yeah, I'm considering Ray a member of the Skywalker family somehow because they seem to be the only family that genetically passes on this predisposition to be a force badass. Okay, well, let's hope that uh, she and Kylo don't have kids then. 
<laughs> it could be cousins. It could be distant members. It could Ray could be Darth Plagueis' second attempt. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I mean, we don't know. We have still no idea. weird. Still weird. But I mean, whatever. They they tried to do it before, right? Midichlorians. With, uh, L- Luke and That's- Leia. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but but what I what I'm saying is, you know what I mean. Those are the focal points of the story. And and I'm assuming Ray's part of the Skywalker family, mostly because you're focusing the movie on her. If if she's not, then she damn well better end up being Kylo Ray's love interest or Kylo Ren's love interest at the end. So then she otherwise can become, you fucked up that too. Right. Then she can become a member of the Skywalker family by extension, like Padme right. did. Right. Right. She either needs to retroactively become a member of the family or be a family from the beginning. Otherwise, you fucked that off too. Interesting. Because, so anyway, that's my new criticism. So my criticism of episode eight in that regard is you focused on side plots that weren't Skywalker family. But the part that I cared about the most, you now have found a bit of reconciliation with. I, I have. I, I okay. have found a way to make it work doing what Zach told me to do. Hey. Take what you know and interpret. There we go. We have different interpretations but i still did it they're not that different they're 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 only like a hair off and frankly i don't even know how different they are they i mean you you made a very very good case i I might be on your i might just shift over to your theory at this point (laughs) now i just gotta get you to buy into my count dooku theory (laughs) your count dooku theory is not correct there are too many things going against you there but i'm gonna have to do more research we're gonna revisit that i'm gonna sway you yet we're gonna we're gonna have another episode on count dooku specifically and we'll where, call where you it, don't think it's gonna make time and i'm gonna ramble for an hour and a half on count yeah dooku. we'll call it the great dooku caper uh, and speaking of which speaking of making time we are well over our usual episode time oh no this was awesome this is exactly what I needed. I'm I'm very happy that we had this conversation, and I hope that the people who hear this uh, glean something from it as well. Because I, I I'm not joking. My mind's completely blown, and I I love this movie even more now. There are there are so many different connections that I never ever you know what I mean. Just something simple like that. Something simple like, oh maybe Luke actually left a map because he originally intended to come back, or Maybe uh, Kylo, maybe the books were hiding on Octo because the Jedi wanted them to be abandoned. Like the, all, all of these things, I just, it was waiting right there for me to make the connection, but I never actually did. So I, I, that was awesome. So if you, wa- if you have a Star Wars movie you don't like, watch it once without the sound on. <laughs> That's, that was a pretty extreme measure. <laughs> well, no, well, because the visuals of the fight scene with the Praetorians is still amazing. Well, yeah, for sure. And it allowed me to focus on the visual things instead of what the characters were saying. Interesting. Interesting. So anyway. Okay. It's twice now I've blown your mind with something. Yeah. Two and a half if I get the Dooku thing to bite. You're not going to get that to bite. <laughs> Uh, did did I do anything with you at all here with the mental illness thing? You don't think that that it, you don't you, think that's a factor? It, I don't want to say it's not a factor. Um, the the thing that I'm going with, and and you're probably aware of this. Our listeners probably aren't. Um, my wife does have she's manic depressive bipolar uh, with acute anxiety. Right. Um, so I'm I'm familiar with that, and. Uh, 
even in her most distressed state, I have a hard time imagining that she would not, if I was stranded on the side of the road, muster up the energy to come and get me. Um, in fact, I know she has. So, um, I, depression is is a very serious thing and well, it I, it, can it, be very very bad I, i'm uh, not saying that depression is specifically what he's dealing with but it, well, it could be very something very similar right there's definitely some post-traumatic stress um going on but then i also believe that you know force healing is a thing so he could help himself but potentially i mean we don't really know how it works so yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll figure it out when we move forward. I'm I'm not saying that it's not a factor. Um, it, it doesn't play into what I think occurred. Um, I and and I'm not again. I'm not saying that the mental illness is a, a angle, so to speak. That that idea is the only mitigating factor. I'm saying when it comes to the force, when it comes to being able to defend yourself with a power greater than any that you or I could ever contemplate. Um, what's always been ingrained into us is that idea of belief. So I think if, if you take any sort of measure against that belief that it's going to be, it, it's going to have an effect. What I think would be really, really interesting to find out. And as soon as this comes out in any type of media, I am going to devour it is whether Luke and Snoke had any knowledge of each other right uh, we know snoke knew about luke or interaction of some kind well because if if luke attacked kylo which we know he did well he tried right right uh he at least ignited the lightsaber to attack kylo if he did that my first inclination is luke skywalker assumes he's been corrupted by the dark side When he realizes he wasn't, I think that's the thing that gets him. Right. Um, but it would be interesting to me to find out what kind of interactions he's had with other Force users because we can't count legends anymore. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. Right. With with other, you mean like with other non-Jedi Force users in the galaxy? Right, right. Has he encountered other dark side users? Is he aware that Snoke is trying to train people? Does did uh, Snoke make any overtures toward Kylo before Luke took him? Right. I, is I mean, the whole Leia, is the whole Han and Leia were definitely aware of who Snoke was. I mean, I mean, in some fashion. I mean, they they call him by name. Well, but imagine this. Just as another side point, while I'm throwing things out there, we know Han didn't want kylo to be trained he was at least uh reluctant reluctant to it that would be what i've gleaned yeah what if leia was reluctant too and the whole reason they sent kylo to luke was because snoke was trying to teach him right that very well could be i mean all of these things would change my perspective on uh, in minor ways maybe but they would really change how the movie the movie itself isn't going to change don't get me wrong but it would really add a different flavor to the events in the movie right all right well with that i think we're finally going to wrap this up 
Okay, I'll be done. I'll shut up. <laughs> no, that's that's okay. Uh, I got to shut up too. Uh, again, share this with your Star Wars loving friends if you found anything from this conversation that you feel like is useful, that you feel like was uh, was adding to your perception of the saga, and we can't wait to hear about it from you. We would love to hear how you feel about the conversation that we just had. Uh, especially and, if i'm if we're wrong yeah if you think that we're flat out wrong and that we're idiots i mean we'll feel bad <laughs> but we'll be willing to hear you out so please make your case you can uh, send us a message through our facebook page or email us uh new jedi archives at gmail.com uh and you you can get away with it or get, get a hold of us through those channels and uh you will have an opportunity to win this uh, set of 24 karat gold trading cards 23 uh, sorry 23 karat gold trading cards based off of the original trilogy and shadows of the empire and they are pretty awesome zach cannot believe we're offering them up as a prize i really can't i'm very jealous and i will be very jealous of whoever wins them uh and and in- that's a reason alone to try and win just to make zach jealous exactly in two weeks We will finally tackle the first season in detail of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Until then, Ben, may the Force be with you. And also with you, Zach. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.